Beloved listeners, when we think of uh, Jewish belongings stolen by the Nazis, uh, we always think, of course, of houses of jewellery, of uh, great and glorious paintings. In the long and tragic inventory of Nazi loot, the recipe for Viennese omelettes might seem a small and rather insignificant thing, but as my next guest discovered, the expropriation of her Jewish grandmother's cookbook in Vienna in 1938 reveals a much wider story of intellectual property theft. Karina Urbach is a renowned German historian who specialises in the Nazi period. Formerly Senior Research Fellow at the University of London, she's written a number of respected history books, including Go-Betweens for Hitler, which greatly embarrassed our royal family because it exposed their their many connections to the Nazis. But now Karina has turned her attention to her own family, unravelling the remarkable story of her grandmother Alice, a famous chef and cookbook author known as the Julia Child of Vienna. Not that Alice took much pleasure or pride in that comparison as she considered herself more talented than Julia. I'm delighted that Karina can join us now from Cambridge. Welcome to our Little Wireless program. Karina, I understand we're having this conversation because you can't cook. Yes, yes, that's absolutely right. And um, that's why my friends are joking that um, I, of all people, wrote a book about a cookbook also. It's, um, it is it is hilarious, I know. But um, because I was never interested in cooking, it, it took me so long to realize that we had these two cookbooks um, at home on our shelf, and they were exactly the same. I mean, the title was the same. It was uh, So Kocht man in Wien, Cooking the Viennese Way. And um, the text and the color photographs uh, in both cookbooks were identical, but there was one difference, and that was the author's name on the cover. There, well, one of them, of course, has your grandmother's name, and the other was a chap called uh, Rudolf Roche. Yes, that's right. And um, and of course, my the big riddle for me was who was this Rudolf Roche, and um, why is he suddenly the author of um, Alice's book? You know, she published it until 1938, and then suddenly there is Rudolf Roche from 1939 onwards. And um, yeah, I, I I wanted to solve this riddle, um, but because Alice was dead by that time, and um, and I didn't know her so well because she she lived in America and. I lived in, in Germany. So um, when she died, I was still a child. So it was um, it was quite a journey to find out what had actually happened to this cookbook. Now, she was in Vienna, living in Vienna at a time when it was one of the most remarkable cities in history. That's right. Yes, uh, she was so lucky. She grew up in the in the Habsburg Empire. She was born in 1886, and um, she was born into a quite a well-off family. Though so her father was uh, a sort of textile millionaire, but um, because he he also was interested in in journalism, so he wrote for for the papers there. He was um, a local politician, and and she met all these exciting people in in her youth. So she met Liesel Meitner, um, the the famous. 
physicist and um, Sigmund Freud's daughter, Anna Freud, and, and uh, Felix Salten, who later wrote Bambi. So it was, it was a wonderful childhood, and she was a bit spoiled. She was the spoiled um, daughter of, of a rich Viennese um, man. But her family wasn't too pleased at her ambition to be a singer. She had these two ambitions. She's she thought of herself um, as a as a wonderful uh, protege opera singer, um, and so she burst into song all the time. And they and they obviously thought it wasn't good enough. And then her other passion was was cooking, of course. So uh, since childhood, she she was always in the kitchen, which was looked down upon as well. Well, her parents rarely entered the kitchen, did they? Yes, that's right. They, they they loved eating. I mean, like all Viennese, they were obsessed with food. I mean, to this day, of course, the Viennese talk about food all the time. So they, they loved eating it. But of course, producing it was absolutely, you know, that's beneath. That's what um, chef does. And um, you don't you don't enter the kitchen. But Alice loved being there. So from, from an early age onwards, she was sitting in the kitchen on a little chair watching the maids doing preparations. She writes this in her memoir, My Father. Father, in addition to his high intellectual standard, was a great gourmet and it was a joy when I was uh, barely old enough to reach the top of the kitchen table to win a smile from his stern face. Yes, that's absolutely right. That's, it sounds like kitchen psychology, but that was really um, why she started cooking because she wanted to please. She wanted to get some attention from him because, of course, he never had time for the children. Very Victorian father, and um, so that was her way um, to to appeal to him to say, I, "I'm here. Please, please look at me. Look at my dishes." Karina, there are so many stories within this story. Explain to me how. And it seems so wildly improbable how she came to establish a cooking school. For a very long time, she was a conformist. You know, she did what her family asked her to do. She married um, at, at the age of 26, which was considered very late. Um, but she did give in to this and, and married um, a nice doctor, or he looked nice on paper, Max Obach. He turned out to be a complete uh, disaster. I mean, he was um, a cheat and drunk and, and gambled away all her savings. So um, he was an absolutely useless husband. And um, and when he died in 1920, very suddenly, um, it in some ways, it was a bit of a relief because um, she was uh, free of him now. She um, could do whatever she wanted to do you know it was it was such a disaster that the first world war everybody had lost their money her parents has lo- had lost their money um and and there was food rationing and and she was uh, penniless with these two um little sons she had um Otto and Karl so she had to act for once you know she was this, up to then she's this dreamy um a little girl and wife and now for once she has to get um active and um and of course uh, she doesn't know what to do at first she the only passion she always had was this cooking and and there um there is rationing um and it takes some time until she can start uh, a cooking school uh, by 1925 uh, in vienna was um a getting on its feet again and this was um, after of course the 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 financial catastrophe of the 20s Absolutely right. Yes. Um, so there, there was high inflation, and um, and you couldn't because they they lost them. I mean, the Habsburg Empire falls apart, and they um, they 
they they they don't have the the wheat anymore, the cheap um, uh, ingredients for all these um, recipes Alice had in mind. Um, all this was cut off, and um, so it takes a long time until uh, food um, is is getting cheaper again and um, available again. And that's when she finally uh, can start a cooking school. And of course, a whole generation of young women had lived on rationing, so they didn't know how to cook. They didn't know what to do with these ingredients. And that was her big hour, yes. She teaches working-class girls, but also duchesses and even a few blokes were sprinkled (laughs) in for company. That's right. Yeah, she was very proud that men were also taking classes. Yes, there was one um, one prince, an Austrian prince, who was going on a grand tour and uh, he wanted to learn how to um, cook in the jungle. So she, she had a few good recipes for him, I think. And as well as the cooking school, she sets up a catering service. She delivers ready-made meals. Sounds like the uh, the recent pandemic. But, of course, at that time, unheard of. Absolutely, yes. So that was very entrepreneurial of her. She was um, adapting um, to these uh, problems uh, in in Vienna that suddenly, you know, women had to go out for work, so they couldn't cook for their family anymore. So she delivered ready-made meals. And and the papers called it the Americanization. (laughs) And it was like, you know, how dare you? Um, This is such an American idea. But it worked. Yes. Now, tell us about her best-selling book, Cooking the Viennese Way. It's uh, got 500 pages, 1,600 recipes. The cookbook was um, it was huge. I mean, it had lots of photos of dishes, even coloured photos. It had lots of black and white photos. And, um, and of course, it was also um, on home economics. So there were chapters on, on how to, to run your house, how to give a dinner party, how to treat... Um, your um your mates i mean if you still had one and um there was lots about um healthy nutrition diets so yeah it was it, it was sounds quite... like it sounds like a, a viennese version of mrs beaton's cookbook yes yes i think yeah that that's very similar yeah it was um it was very fashionable and um it yeah she was an influencer in a way and also, there's all these influences coming in from across the Habsburg Empire. You've got uh, you've got Czech, you've got Hungarian influences, Italian, even French. Yes, I think that was what made it so original. Because um, growing up in the Habsburg Empire, she was used to this mix, and um, and she thought it was wonderful to have this cosmopolitan kitchen. Uh, and uh, of course, there are Jewish influences. But as you said, I mean, all parts of the empire, and and the French kitchen was very important too. So um, yes, she it was. Uh, these recipes cover everything. I like the way she uh, was somewhat miffed about being compared to Julia Child because she thought she was better than Julia, didn't she? Yes, that's right. So later on, when um, in old age she watches these programs, um, Julia Child had television programs um, on American television, and um, of course, uh, Alice thought she's not good enough. You know what a chaotic woman, and I could have done that so much better. So she she never saw the the film with Meryl Streep. I think Meryl Streep played Julia Child in a film. Yeah. Now you write, and I quote. Alice's cookbook contains all of her wisdom and a lot of her heart. But 
there was one important thing missing from its pages. The book is full of black and white photos of her students fussing around in the kitchen, but there's no images of her face. Yes, and and that is very odd because she she loved being photographed. She wasn't shy about it. I mean, she didn't think of herself as pretty, but she liked being photographed. And um, and I think, of course, this is just speculation, but I think they didn't um, use a photo of her because she looked just too Jewish. So she had a very prominent nose, very sweet, a charming nose, but uh, perhaps um, that was the reason why she was left out because all the other. Um, Girls in the book, the, the, the pupils, they, they are, you know, photographed. In, but yeah, but in a strange way, that must have facilitated the appropriation of the book because there's no photos of the author. That's right. Yes, there are only photos of her hands, um, her hands chopping things and um, mixing things, and and that made it much easier later on um, to clean. But of course, they are female hands, and um, that was another problem um, when they stole her book. They how how can one explain that these are female hands and the author is um, is male? But um, yeah, they got around that. <laughs> and of course, the anti-Semitism you mentioned soon exploded, and in March 1938, Alice uh, witnessed an ominous procession of German military vehicles driving down Vienna's uh, cobbled streets. What did the Nazis' uh, annexation of Austria mean for Alice and her cookbook? That was, of course, um, a disaster. I mean, that day changed everything for her. And um, uh, from from then onwards, um, she and her son, who was still at university, um, were in constant danger. And she knew that politicians, Austrian politicians, had been arrested, that friends had been arrested already in March. And um, from that point onwards, um, she's trying to get out of Austria. And um, and so is, is her son, Karl. And um, and she uh, she she loses immediately. She loses her job um, and her income and um, her flat. And um, this is because the, son- uh, they are applying the Nuremberg laws in Vienna. That's right. Because suddenly, um, up to then, of course, um, her publishing house kept her as an author because she is Austrian. So she wasn't a German. Now with the Nazis marching in. Um, she becomes German technically, and um, and the Nuremberg laws are now applied to her. So um, so she loses everything. Karl is thrown out of the university, and and now they are trying. Both of them are trying to get out um, of Vienna as quickly as possible. And and then she suddenly gets um, a letter from from her publisher um, saying, "Please sign this declaration that you are giving up all your rights." Because in the meantime, she had written two more books, two more cookbooks. Um, they hadn't been published yet, but she had submitted the manuscripts and she's now told, give up your rights to all three manuscripts, sign here on the dot. Alice managed to get out. What happened to her kids? Oh, um, her son, Carl, um, is um, arrested in, in November 38 and is sent to Dachau concentration camp and um, and. Uh, 
has, of course, an awful time there, but then later on um, gets out in um, in February 39 because um, his brother, who has made it to America, um, sends Avi Davids. And there is, um, he, he's terribly lucky and he, he gets out to America in the end. But Alice, in the meantime, is trying to get to England. And, um, and she manages to get to England because the British had this um, great idea of um, giving refugees uh, domestic permits. So um, all these um, middle-class women um, had to work as domestics, but um, that was, of course, uh, much better than being uh, sent to a camp. So um, that was that was her escape route. She became um, a domestic servant. Now, the cookbook was Aryanized and Alice's introduction, which uh, celebrated the cosmopolitan nature of Viennese cuisine, is, uh, is also uh, censored. That's right. Yes. So that is really um, the flabbergasting thing. They they sort of rewrite parts of the book. So they um, they uh, rewrite the introduction, which is becoming, of course, the code totally on the um, Nazi um, line now, ideology line. So um, Rudolf Rösch says um, Vienna is the second greatest city of the Reich, and um, and our you know it, he takes out all the cosmopolitan bits and um, and even changes. Um, dishes that might sound too international. Tell me about Roche. Did he exist or was it just a pseudonym? Yes, that was the only thing I couldn't find out to this day um, because um, the publishing house is not telling me. Um, the publishing house, of course, must know who he was, but um, they they haven't told me. Um, I tried to phone every, I mean, me and my friends phoned every uh, Rudolf Rösch in the telephone book because we thought perhaps some grandson is named after his darling um, grandpa. But um, no, there is um, absolutely... Um, no trace of this Rudolf Frosch. I went to all the um, Nazi archives. You know, we have the um, in Berlin, we have the NSDAP archives, um, and there are lots of Rudolf Frosch who are Nazi members, um, but none of them is a, is a chef. And um, I found one Rudolf Rösch who did um, a few um, recipes in the early 30s, but he vanishes. So I don't know who this man was. And to this day, I haven't solved that one. Karina, much has been written about the, the Nazis looting artworks, but you say there has been surprisingly little research into this theft of Jewish authorship. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that is why my book is original, because so far we didn't know about this. Of course, we knew that they did the Nazis burn books. Uh, that was done in May 33. And we know these books were by socialists, communists, but also by, um, you know, very uh, writers like um, Remarque, who wrote uh, Nothing New on the Western Front, or um, Thomas Mann books. And I mean, all these books were burned because um, the Nazis wanted to get rid of the literature there opponents had written. And uh, from that one, we concluded that they they just um, burned all the Jewish um, books as well. But um, the publishing houses didn't want to give up these uh, very lucrative books. So they sort of a much more um, devious way of adapting them into Aryan books. And that that is something um, that hadn't been studied before. The name of Egon Kisha is familiar to uh, my listeners. We've done stories on him in the past. But I learned from you that he had a short story appropriated and you say it was turned from a 
Czech short story into a Hamburg short story by some Nazis. That's right. So there was this um, Nazi author who uh, found this very funny uh, short story by Kish, um, where, which is set in, in Prague. And um, and this guy just changes a few things um, and uh, <laughs> turns it into a story set in Hamburg in Germany. And he even wins a prize for this. So, um, but Kish, uh, who was then or uh, had immigrated, uh, makes that public. The Kish story it shows that uh, fiction um, uh, to um, adapt that um, or Aryanize it is very difficult because people remember the stories. But um, with nonfiction books, it's so much more uh, lucrative, and uh, because in Germany, nonfiction books were bestsellers, um, were sold more than fiction books, and um, it's easier to adapt them. So what they did was they um, adapted non-fiction books uh, like books about um, uh, medical books, law books, all kinds of um, guidebooks, things that were written by Jewish also suddenly are written by Aryan ones. You know, this reminds me very much of uh, Orwell's 1984. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So names are just erased. Careers are just erased. And it, it's horrible because these, um, one of uh, my, my favorite one, apart from Alice, of course, my favorite one is this um, nice um, Dr. Josef Löbel, who was um, a, a great, he was so famous in the ni- 1920s and 30s because he he wrote on um, uh, popular um, uh, things like um, medical issues, like hormones and, and how to take vitamins and things like that. So he he was um, a bestseller also, and he is suddenly um, with all his books um, turned into this um, uh, Aryan author. And um, a, a Nazi is really building his whole career um, later on 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 these books that um, Josef Löbel wrote. So this this Nazi um, became famous as the author of these books um, instead of Löbel. Löbel was just erased. Karina, did Alice find out? that her cookbook had been, uh, well, republished under a, a different name. Yes, that, that was very um, uh, shocking for her because she does come back to Vienna after the war. She comes back in, in 1949 and, um, of course, Vienna was a depressing city at the time and, and she walks through um, all these old streets and she goes to her old synagogue and she bursts into tears thinking about um, all these people who have died because she has lost, um, of course, lots of friends. And well, she, she lost and- two sisters in Treblinka. That's right. Yeah, yeah. She lost um, two sisters in in the gas chambers, and one sister um, um, is just um, she she's just not accounted. For. I mean, she got lost somewhere in a ghetto in Lodge. So, um, uh, yeah, it was pretty awful. So she comes back to Vienna, and and um, and then she sees in in these really empty shop windows, um, she sees one book, and um, and that's her book, and uh, it's you know so kocht man in Wien. That's how we cook in Vienna, and she goes into the shop and says to um, the shopkeeper, so. Uh, why is this by Rudolf Hirsch? And the guy said, oh, this is a bestseller. We're selling this so well. And um, yeah, and then she, of course, immediately writes um, to her old publisher and says, I have seen this book now and could I please um, have it back? I mean, I'm the author. And she, she writes very polite letters. That is um, the, the astonishing thing. At first, she's you know writing him 17 letters asking for this book back. And the response... 
He's fobbing her off. At first, he's very polite and he says, "Oh, I can send you our catalogs and so on," and um, and he's 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 giving her the runaround. And um, and then after a while, um, she loses patience a bit, and um, he always puts her off. Like they they want to meet, but they never meet. Um, uh, and then in the end, um, she says to him, "She's now getting a lawyer." Um, and that is the last letter. Isn't it so extraordinary did. that the publisher had the audacity to continue publishing the cookbook under Russia's name, making money from it until 1966? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, he did it to Alice and to another guy who at that publishing house who had written a, a, a physics book for this publishing house. He did the same thing to this man. So yes, it is pretty shocking. It's pretty shocking that he could get away with it. But it it tells us a lot about how um, uh, the German uh, courts were handling these things and how German society was after the war. Uh, it was, I mean. Alice never did go to court uh, because she didn't have the money to sue the guy. But even if she had gone to court, she might have lost because he would always have said, okay, you signed this um, agreement in 1938. That's binding and that's it, basta. Of course, nowadays, you know, since the 1990s, we we know that it is not considered legal anymore that any contract signed um, after the Nuremberg laws um, are, are, you know, under the rest signed um, are still legal. Karina, in everyone. 2020, your book about your grandmother, her story comes out in Germany. What was the reaction to it? Oh, yes, that was brilliant because um, the the Spiegel, which is our um, um, political magazine in Germany, they ran an interview and um, after that, the publishing house suddenly got a bit worried, I think, because they had never wanted any contact with me. Of course, I had written to them and had asked whether I could go to the archives and they said they don't have an archive. Um, I, unfortunately, I can't visit them. So, um, But when the Spiegel ran the story, then they got a bit scared and suddenly contacted me. That was nice. <laughs> As I said, there are stories within stories within stories in what you've told us. And uh, she obviously was a wholly remarkable woman. You must be very proud of her. Yes, we, we, we really are. I mean, there's also my cousin Katrina. We are both um, her, her only granddaughters. And, and we always said, you know, we, we don't want any financial compensation. This is not about money. We just want her to be the author of her own book again. And that is something we finally achieved. Well, she'd be very proud of your efforts. And I thank you for sharing the story with us. I've been talking to Karina Urbach an historian and author, and her book about her grandmother is called simply Alice's Book, How the Nazis Stole My Grandmother's Cookbook, and it's out now in paperback and it's published by Hachette. Thanks, Karina. Thank you so much, Philip. Thank you. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.